What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. Before we get into today's conversation with Hayden Cashin, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews we get, the more it helps new people find the show, and it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes. I put out brand new interviews every single Monday and takeaways episodes where I sit down Thursday and break down my most recent podcast every single Thursday. And last but not least, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sharing it to your Instagram story. Tag myself at the Jacob Kelly, tag Hayden at Hayden Cashin, and I'll feature you on my account and send you a message as well. And now without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Hayden Cashin. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan, and today's a special episode of the podcast. Today's the 100th episode. Over two years now, we've been working at this podcast, and today is extra special because what I've decided to do for the 100th episode is I've decided to bring back guest number one for episode number 100. And today we're joined by Hayden Cashin. Hayden is a man with a Gary V like mindset, but Drake like mannerisms. He's the owner of Cashin Marketing, a digital agency based in the nation's capital that leverages paid digital ads to deliver its clients' results. As mentioned, Hayden was also the first guest on my social life back in july of 2018 is when he made his first appearance since then he's been on this podcast two more times with the new york city precap and 50 episodes later and he's back today to tell us what he's been up to since we last spoke hayden welcome back to the podcast thank you so much for having me jacob and congratulations on 100 episodes i'm very very proud of you thank you man that means a lot and where i want to start today i want to kind of pick up where we left off so it was fun because i went back and listened to episode number one to prep for this okay. and kind of where we left off, you were starting to take on, like you had your first couple clients. I think you just left OSAG and you were starting to work with the agency. Yeah, it was right there. So that's kind of where we left off. So from that point where you had one, two clients from the last episode, what are some of the things you've done to kind of grow your agency? Cause at that point it wasn't like you weren't doing it full time. It was like a side thing. Mm-hmm. But today now you're on, like I said, cash and marketing full time. You have to believe somewhere between 12 to 15 clients. Mm. What have you done to grow that? For me, there's kind of three different things. Uh, the first one is, well, I guess it, it, it all kind of stems from this one, which is building my brand, um, putting out content on a daily basis through Instagram, staying on in front of people's faces and letting them know what I do. So I'm always top of mind. And whenever kind of digital marketing passes their lives, I want them to think of me, reach out to me um, and connect me with things. Um, the second thing is just building my network, right? So in general, just meeting kind of key people within the city that have influence or just regular people in the city that have one or two connections that I could possibly leverage. Um, and then the third thing is just doing actual good work for clients and having them refer me because a client referring you to another potential client is the most powerful thing mm-hmm. uh, you could have. Yeah. And we will get more into the Instagram side and how you're going about building your personal brand, a little bit of the sizzle and the steak, as I've heard you describe in the past. But most people ask you why Facebook ads, but I know why. It's because it's a combination of the art and the math and you love human psychology. And that's part of the reason why you like doing Facebook ads. Mm. 
One thing I noticed as well, back at our time at OSEG when we worked together, is pretty much every time I would walk past your desk, you would have a tutorial going for Facebook or something like that. I could be watching different things. And so how, like, how much is that still a component of what you're doing, constantly learning as you're going about doing, as you're going about executing, how much are you factoring in time to learn as well? It's interesting. Like, I think the place that I actually learn these days is, is mental, mm-hmm. right? I'm learning how to train myself mentally to become unstoppable, to become ultra successful, to understand the world around me, to understand people and how to navigate human beings. That's where I think my learning these days is really coming from. From a Facebook standpoint, I think I did all that learning at OSEG in terms of understanding how the platform works, like really understanding the engine inside of it, not just having a formula that works. And if the formula breaks, not knowing what to do, like actually like from any angle you ask me, I can break down Facebook and and the system. So once I understand that, it allows me to just assess a client and figure out what to do. Because once I know what the client wants, I can think about the system holistically within Facebook and figure out the best plan of attack. And then obviously over time as we get data, you know, re-strategize and find optimization. Mm. Okay. And so one thing, like kind of a bit of a side tangent there, just because I was, as we were talking, as I was mentioning OSEG, yeah. you were an employee at that time. You said you went on to employee again for the agency. Yeah. Now you run your own agency. Yeah. Do you think, actually, I know you could go back. I've heard you say you could go back to being an employee. Yeah. And I'm curious as to why, because most entrepreneurs say they can't, they can never go back to I, I don't think I'm an entrepreneur. Explain. I was not the kid that sold cards and candy and lemonade. I was never trying to hustle to make a quick buck. It's just not in my DNA, to be quite honest. Um, what I like is a challenge. And I think entrepreneurship, it got to a point where that was the only next challenge I could take on. Because I... Like at the agency, even though I hadn't really completed everything I I possibly could, I felt like mentally, I already knew what I had to do. It was just a plan of attack. So I felt like it was no longer a challenge. I'd conquered it mentally. It was just going to be time to actually execute it. And so the next step for me was taking on all the risk and being everything. And um, I think that's why I made the leap. Mm -hmm. And I think entrepreneurship is exciting because even though now I'm at a place where you know, I've been running the agency for a year and three quarters. Um, and I feel like I have a good grasp on how to run an agency now. Now the next challenge becomes hiring key people, building a foundation of human beings, you know, building a culture, managing humans, thinking about architecting a company, assessing the landscape, putting people in places to like, it's a whole nother challenge. I was talking to somebody yesterday and I was telling them like, the next thing I'm going to do actually really has nothing to do with marketing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to become an architect of a company. And so that'll be the next challenge. And and that's what I love entrepreneurship. Because once I do that, then it becomes, okay, the next challenge maybe is let's get a second location. Let's expand outside of the country. Let's look at new field. Like it, it's unlimited, right? Mm-hmm. Let's buy a company internally and, and then start marketing it and selling that product. Like it's, it, it's, it's a never ending challenge if you choose it to be. And I think that for me is what I need in my life to make me passionate and excited and happy. Mm-hmm. And so you say you're not an entrepreneur, but anyone listening to that will know that you have a really good understanding of business mm-hmm. just from hearing that tangent. Okay. But we go back to the first podcast. We were talking about your time with Scamskate. We were talking about Instagram. With what? Scamskate. Not Scamskate. Oh, Connectskate. Connectskate. Yeah. Scamskate was a, a skate <laughs> company back home before. Yeah, okay, okay. Sorry, Connectskate. And... 
you were talking about we're talking about Instagram and stuff and some of the stuff you guys are doing, and you said I didn't really understand business then. Okay. So at what point do you think that it kind of clicked and business started to make sense for you? <sighs> Don't know. I think I think it's never clicked. Like there's never been a moment. I think I just obsess over winning and and getting like winning the challenge mm-hmm. that every single day is a little nugget. It's a little nugget. It's a little nugget. It's a brick in the wall. It's a brick in the wall. It's a brick in the wall. And that's why like people don't see what you do in the shadows. They don't see the hard work you put in the back end. They just see the end result. But little do they know that beautiful wall that you created was long nights, long days, L's, losses, failures, judgment, hate, da, 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 to get to this beautiful wall that you now see today. And so I don't think that it was ever oh, I understand business now. Yeah. And I don't even think I understand business now. Like if, if I was to be a real estate agent tomorrow, I would have to understand a lot because that's a whole nother business. So I don't say I understand business. I think I understand marketing and how to deal with clients. Those might be two things that I understand. But yeah, I think business also is just ever evolving, right? Mm-hmm. The way we did business 50 years ago isn't how we do business today. And the way we do business 50 years from now won't be how we do business today. So I think that's also what I love about it is it'll be a forever challenge. Once you crack the code, it fucking changes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so talk a little bit more about kind of no one sees the work being done in the shadows and stuff like that. But specifically about when you made the decision to go full time. I remember you posted, it was January, I believe, it was a black and white photo, long caption about how you're taking your business full time. This was your next step. Mm. Are you scared in that moment? No. The reason I wasn't scared is because I'm okay to fail. I, I believe that failure is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Regret is, is the devil, right? So as long as I go for it, whether I fail or win, it doesn't matter. I've already won by taking the leap because I'll never regret it because I know it worked out or it didn't and I'll never be like, man, I should have when I had that moment when I was younger, right? Um, so sorry, what was the question? Where were we going? Oh, my, my, where I was going with it was like, what like what don't people see in that caption when you're going full time? Like, are you scared? Is there butterflies? Oh, yeah. So like, I wasn't what? scared also because I'd made it make sense. And this is also why I don't think I'm an entrepreneur. I never felt like I took a leap, like a massive leap, right? To me, like straight up financially, I would take a hit in the beginning stages by starting my own thing. But in the amount of time I was putting in versus at the agency... I had so much room to scale and make more. And even when I took the hit initially, I was still above water. Like I was still able to pay my bills and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like the scariest leap, right? It was like, okay, I'll still be able to live. And when I scale this thing, if I have it in me, I'll make even more money. So it just made sense from that standpoint. Um, and also like, I just didn't want to regret. For me, like there was no way I wouldn't do it. As soon as the opportunity presented itself and I saw a way to do it, in my heart, I had to do it. You know, it, it, it's been a constant in my life that I just take leaps and try new things, right? Like I did the dancing when I was younger and then soccer was more through my parents. So that wasn't much of a leap, but to quit soccer was a leap. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the highest in Ontario and, you know, traveled with soccer and all this stuff. And I quit it when I was 16 to skateboard, but I loved skateboarding. And then when I fell out of love with skateboarding, even though I'd won a contest and was sponsored, right? When I fell out of love with it, I took a leap and started rapping and making rap music, you know? And though, even though like I built up that career and traveled a little bit and did shows in other cities, I, I dropped out when I fell in love with business. And I think for me, it's always been like being able to not regret, mm-hmm. you know, going for it because I just don't want to regret. Even though I have success in this place, I'll take two steps forward to take three or two steps backward, take three forward, right? 
So I think um, that's just been a constant in my life. So when it came to starting my own company, it was almost inevitable. And I think an observation I made, I think, like, correct me if I'm wrong, mm. but I think like you said, some of those jumps that you made were drastic. Soccer to skateboarding, a mm. little drastic. Skateboarding to rap, probably not as drastic, but then going from rap to to digital marketing was probably through some people for a loop. Yeah. I think your next pivot or jump, whatever you want, however you want to describe it, I think it's going to be a little bit closer tied to the marketing agency. Yeah, because I'm becoming a more refined human. Mm-hmm. I'm getting closer to my actual love. Mm-hmm. right yeah and i just think that like your next jump might be like you might jump like you're not going to be digital marketing forever but your next thing might be business using all of your learnings from the marketing agency applied to whatever it is you're doing next yeah. versus you might not necessarily be able to apply there's probably some things of course with like just coordination from soccer to skateboarding but it's a whole new sport it's completely different mm-hmm. but i think your next jump is going to be a little bit more aligned with what you're doing now if that 100%. makes sense yeah and so one thing to with your business, you said that when you once you took the jump and you quit the agency, you had more time to scale. But at the same time, talk to me about the decision while you're doing that and trying to scale an agency. You made the decision to finish school. Yeah. Why? Um, I'll be completely transparent. You know, my parents were paying for school, mm. so they'd already sunk a lot of cash into it, and I felt obligated to finish that journey. Um, I believe I'm the first person in my family to graduate university, so there was also that kind of push. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was just like, I just can't do it full time. So I'll just do it part time. Took me like six, six and a half years to graduate because I, I pushed it off to the side while I was focusing on building my experience in my future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I did the graduation, handed my parents the paper and went home and got back to work, you know, and that's that's just kind of how that went. But forever grateful for my parents. You know, they just wanted the best for me. And I respect that and they thought university was the best for me so I did it for them and I'm and I'm also grateful that that they paid for it and that was kind of me showing them that you know yeah no 100% and so the 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 common question that everyone asks when it comes to university is like how do you feel about it today now that you've finished gone through it what you're doing now like if someone's coming to you like hey yeah. should I go to school or not like yeah. what is your advice uh there's there's a couple things like if you want to be one of those careers doctor lawyer architect dentist scientist you need a university degree because it's not loose like business where you can actually just figure it out and naturally know it, right? And naturally be good at it. You have to actually like understand the principles. And a lot of the times, like it's very serious situations. If you're a lawyer, you're saving someone. If you're a doctor, you're saving someone. You know what I mean? Like it's very serious stuff. So if you want to do those careers, I think you need to go to university until there's an alternative. Um, and then also, I think there's just a subset of people that learn that way, right? I have a friend who is now going to go do her MBA. And at first, I was like, I don't think you need to. But the more I got to know her, the more I realized she's actually like has to learn in a school setting and has to go like that. And so it, it made more sense for her. Whereas for me, doing an MBA would be a waste of time. I need to Google everything whenever I want and talk to people and feel it. You know what I mean? So I think there's like a self-awareness component, right? So there's, if you, if you're one of those careers, you just need it right period. And then for everything else, you have to be self-aware of who you are. And there's a subset that makes sense. And there's a subset that it doesn't. That makes sense. And on the, on the topic of learning, what are some things you learned from Tony Greco from your time where you guys worked pretty close together? I love Tony. Um, He taught me to just go, right? Make a decision and go. Um, I think like, and this is saying this in the kindest way possible, 
Tony doesn't overthink. Tony has an idea. Tony thinks about it, says, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And Tony executes. And that's what I've always admired about him. And I think Gary Vee is the same way, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't overthink things. He just makes decisions and moves, right? And it's the classic example that he says where like he would rather have 87 balls in the air and drop 13 than have three balls in the air juggling them perfectly because the net is way better than the other circumstance. And on top of that, there's two things. You never know the alternative, right? If you make a decision, you never know what would have happened anyway. So unless, as long as your decision doesn't lead to absolute failure and losing everything, you'll always think it was the right decision, right? And so I think um, I think that coupled with speed, right? When you make decisions fast, you move a lot faster. When you're when you're making decisions slow, you're you're just moving slower and getting a lot less done. So I've always admired that about Tony and 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 taking that. Mm-hmm. And one thing that Tony has is a really strong personal brand, mm-hmm. which is something that you have done a very good job of crafting for yourself. Yep. And I was wondering if you could explain in as best way possible how you're going about doing that. Okay. It's funny. I don't think about it really. The purpose of my personal brand is actually the real purpose is to make as many people as possible feel comfortable to reach out to me. Right? The other day, I ended my yesterday, I ended my story and I said, and by the way, if you need anything, hit me up. How vague is that? Right? But I was just saying, like, don't be scared to hit me. Another one I was going to do um, is because a couple people have said, hey, I saw you in public, you know, at, at Joey's the other day. And I'm, and I'm seeing all these, and I'm like, yo, why aren't people coming up to me? Why aren't they saying hello? You know what I mean? And so I just want people to feel comfortable because a lot of people like are shy. And so if someone's shy, there's a shot they won't refer you anything or help you in any way just based off them being shy. So I want to break down that barrier for as many people as possible. Um, I, had a, I had a woman tell me once that the fact that I do those Instagram stories of me just being honest with the camera and talking to the camera made her feel comfortable to reach out to me because she felt like she knew my personality and who I was and that she could actually meet me and go for a coffee and it wouldn't be weird, right? So I think for me, it really comes down to just breaking barriers and making as many people feel comfortable to talk to me as like macro as that sounds. And that's probably not what you expected. Not necessarily what I expected, but it makes sense. And especially where you said that lady felt comfortable to talk to you. Cause that she's, was a huge insight because she's consumed so much. That's interesting oh. because one thing I've noticed when I prep for podcasts with someone I've never met before, right. I listen to a lot of podcasts that they've already been on. Yeah. So by the time I sit down to talk to them, I feel like I already know them mm. because I've just listened to them for hours and hours and hours. Right. So it's like I already understand the cadence of how they talk. I, mean, I kind of have an understanding of their yeah, personality. 100%. So it probably allows me to navigate the interview differently than if I'd never heard, like I didn't know anything about yeah. them going into it. So I think that was, that's just kind of like the way you were positioning that made me realize that's, that about that's the way it. I And do the podcasts. other constant is like people are always like, wow, you're actually the same guy as social media. You know, a lot of times people portray a, a, a side of them, but you don't see the other side. And then you meet them and it's a combo of both and they're not exactly who you thought they'd be. Whereas for me, like I talk about it all on social. I'm, I'm just me on social media. You know, I leave out a couple personal things, but other than that, you know, you get, you get what you get in real life and on social. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so majority of that brand building and making people feel comfortable, you do that through your Instagram story, right? Yeah. Which isn't the best strategy, but time-wise it's really all I got right now. Why isn't it the best strategy? Because I should be distributing that stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm vulnerable to Instagram not being cool in six months, right? Yeah, that's true. And I mean, you never know what could happen, right? Like, granted, TikTok's a bit of a different situation with the ban and everything, but yeah. like, we're just seeing that play out in real time right yeah. now with a lot the of The one thing I do say, though, is like, brand is real. Like, just because I, I built on Instagram, Hayden Cashin is in your brain. Mm-hmm. And if I go to Twitter, there's a shot you'll follow me. It's not like you only follow me on Instagram. And you won't follow me anywhere else. It's like, if you like Hayden Cashin, you'll want to follow me in other places. So I feel like I'm not that vulnerable. If I do choose, I can push people places. But um, in, in one way, I am vulnerable to it. And one thing you've told me about the way you do your Instagram stories is you never do a second take. Well, unless I fuck up. Yeah. Like sometimes I just like, you know what my classic one is that I should post one of these days. Is I go, what is up, IJ? Hope everyone's having a one. And I forget what day it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what fucking day it is. And yeah. so I retake it. But um, for me, as long as like I, I like say what I meant to say, I'm not going to redo it because mm-hmm. I just I don't see why. Yeah. So talk to me. I feel like a lot of people when it comes, what stops them? And I know you, you know, you know what I'm going to say. I know, but it's insecurity. Yes. But what how do you get over that insecurity? How do you get over that insecurity? Um, by realizing that nobody actually cares i think if i thought about it longer maybe i'd have a better answer but i think when you realize like people are consuming you on social media for a second and then they're consuming the next and the next and the next and the next right the hardest part is the first ones because it's new for people to see you in that light but as soon as you do five six seven eight you now have permission to do it I can do it all day now and people will just be like, oh yeah, normal, you know, and not judge me. They'll be like, oh yeah, that's just Hayden, right? At first, when I started doing them, people would be like, oh, I saw you doing like selfie story and shit like that. So as long as I'm not insecure about it, as long as I'm like, yeah, like I'm trying to build my brand, I'm trying to build my dream, I'm trying to change my life, you know what I'm saying? Um, it gives you that permission to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's insecurity based on caring what other people think about you, right? So however you have to get over that hump, I think that is somewhat of like a unique thing for everyone getting over what other people think about you, but that's the unlock to whatever you want. Right. Mm-hmm. For real, like for real. So you have to get over what other people think about you, but what do you do like in a situation where like when you said you first started and people are asking like, Oh, I saw you doing like selfie stories or whatever. Yeah. What do you do like in terms of, cause a lot of people in medical overcome the insecurity of cameras going to post. Yeah. But then they have to deal with judgment when they start posting. Yeah. Is it a similar thing to how you get over judgment to how you get over insecurity or is it different? Judgment, insecurity. I think the insecurity comes from the judgment, right? Okay. The judgment is caring what other people think about you mm-hmm. and that, that maps to insecurity. But for me, like, I just like, I come back to, I would rather fail than regret. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have people laugh at me than look back in 30 years and, and wish I tried, you know what I'm saying? And I just, I just want to live to my happiness and I want to give it the best shot. I know if I regret, that'll be the only thing that ruins me long-term. And so I just want to go for it. And then over time, it's like, it's like the classic, like jumping in a pool, kissing a girl. Like you realize it's not that scary after you do it. And then over time, people start to actually admire you and look up to you because I think it's like subconscious, but they realize you took that jump that like maybe they want to take. Mm-hmm. And so it turns from judgment to admiration real quick. And then it becomes addicting. Yeah. That's like when, when I talked to Just Dustin, when I was talking to him, he said that a lot of people made fun of you for making kid videos on the internet until it starts to work. 
and he's just like and now he's the successful youtuber so but at the beginning it, people were kind of making fun of like what are you doing but yeah you just have to overcome that and yep. so and then i'm just curious personally how do you determine then what post like what goes in the feed goes in the feed mm-hmm. not enough goes in the feed i barely post in the feed um i think when i just have a piece that i like i'll just post it but I was just telling your brother, you know, it's something that I'm thinking about of getting a videographer once a week, mm-hmm. making sure that day that they come is like a cool day. I'm doing some meetings, doing some cool projects um, and having them just follow me and document me and then talking in between. Right. And then being like, OK, you know, go cut that however you like. And over time, I'll get better at refining it. But then uh, I'll have more constant content. I just think for me, like I don't like to do posts for the sake of doing posts. I want to have something to say. But I also think I've not tried to have things to say, if that makes sense. Like I haven't put an effort in and got a videographer to follow me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just been like, oh, when I do a talk or when I do an, a podcast, then I, I'll use that. But it's like I haven't been proactive in trying to put myself in places to say things and document it. So that's kind of the next step. And then, yeah, I'll have systemized content coming in. So I just I just want to make sure that I'm doing it because I actually have something to say, not just for the sake of making a post. Like, oh, it's been three days. I need a post. What do I do? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's why at least in the stories, it's just daily. Right? Mm -hmm. And the stories is like, it's low maintenance and no one like cares as much about stories, right? No one cares about honestly anything, anything, really. Mm -hmm. I think, but the way you're going about Instagram is kind of how I flipped. Like I used to be where I post, post, post as much as I can. And I was like posting every podcast I went on my feed. But then I, I realized what I stopped, I stopped posting and I only posted when I had something to say. And I've noticed my engagement's gone up. My genuine engagement's gone up. I'm yeah. getting more comments, DMs on everything because I'm not posting as constantly. So it's like, how do you balance that then between hearing that where it's like you only post when you have something to say and you want to be authentic and genuine with your posting yeah. versus the Gary Vee thing where it's post, post, post as much but, as you can but every I, day. Like I just said, I think, I think it just becomes putting yourself in positions to document when you have things to say there'll be times in my like when i'm working that i'll have something to say but i'll just put it on my story mm-hmm. because like i want obviously like i want my story to be more loose if that makes sense and then my feed to be stuff i want to live forever right and so that's why i think i need to be proactive and put myself in a position where it's like oh the videographer comes on tuesdays you know, like put that in the notes and make sure you do a thing where you're saying that on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what I mean. I, I just have to build a system like Gary has where it puts him in a place that when he has a thought, he can just get it off and the content's being made. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And one thing too, but the way you go about doing your Instagram stories and everything, like you don't market cash in marketing. You market no. hating cash in and then which the work you're doing is for cash marketing, but it's all for yourself. Yeah. Why? Um... I think for me, I'm, I'm a addicted to admiration. Like I just, I just love it. There's the thing about me is I love to help others. That's why I'm passionate about my business because I actually know that I'm helping these companies. You know what I mean? And so that's why I get so fired up. I know I'm not selling bullshit. And then I also like to do the one-on-ones and DMS or the phone calls, you know, answering people's questions and helping them in, in business or in mindset or in personal, like whatever it is. Right. That, that makes me so happy. And so I think like for me, making my personal brand um, allows me to navigate that way. If it was cash and marketing, it'd be a lot harder to be like, you know, tell me about 
your your relationship struggles or why you're insecure like you're a marketing company why are you talking to me about that stuff but as a human i'm able to be dynamic and talk about everything i talk about hip-hop as well mm-hmm. you know when i when i you know do a little traveling i'll document that and it just makes people like comfortable to talk to you it's a lot harder when it's just a logo mm-hmm. when it's an actual human i think you can foster a lot and then for me i want to deploy that over my life in different aspects right now sure it's just funneling to the agency but long term you know i really want to do speaking i really want to do teaching i really want to do a podcast i really want to write a book i really want to maybe have like my own products that i'm that i'm selling that i really believe in and if i'm building my brand i can go all those directions. Whereas if it's a marketing agency, I might not be able to do a teaching or a keynote or sell a certain product, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it just makes sense. I really believe like if you enjoy being the face, which tons of people don't and respect, but if you enjoy being the face, it's so much easier to build. It's like 10 times faster than if you're trying to be a logo. So Mm -hmm. I think you, so your approach to social is, is depth versus over width. You want to be as deep as possible with the audience. I want both. Yeah. But I think people don't think about depth. Mm -hmm. And and the way you approach depth, like you do a one, of course, just through DMs and the content you're putting out. You take it a step further and you meet as many of the people that follow you in person as possible. Yep. You go for lunch. Last year, over what, 150 people you met for lunch. That's almost a lunch every other day with someone you met. Yeah, like lunch slash coffee. So yeah, yeah, a lot of people. So when did that start? I know it started. Really? Yep. That started because when I started at OSEG, I was um, I was just an intern, right? Working two days a week. Mm-hmm. I think it was like Monday and Thursday. And so I'd always try to go for lunch with people on those days. And it was less frequent, but it, I was just like, man, I'm at Lansdowne. There's tons of lunch places right out the door. Why don't I try to meet my prof or meet that person I've been talking to on LinkedIn or go to lunch with somebody from OSEG and just build the network, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it started. Um, and then when I had more kind of freedom, I guess, when I was working at the agency, I did it more often. And then as soon as I started my own thing, it was like, let's go every day, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what is like, talking about why you do the lunches. It's to me, like, so the way that I've heard you explain before, and it's an important distinction I want you to kind of make, is the fact that you do it to meet life-changing people, but you're okay if you meet a thousand people and the amount of life-changing people is two. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? Well, for me... To be completely fair, like I just love doing it straight up. So I'm having lunch anyway. I might as well have some company, learn about you, understand like the more people I meet, the more kind of consistencies I can find in human psychology and how they think more like the classic things that people struggle with. And even like just interesting things I never knew, you know, like I had a a conversation with a neurologist and she started explaining why I think certain things. And it was super fascinating and it helped me understand myself better. So just straight up, I love that aspect of meeting people. And then from a business standpoint, a lot of them, A, become like more hardcore, like for lack of a better term, fans of me. If you look at my most recent post, I got tons of comments. Somebody wrote the master community builder and like all these people, like some of them I have never even met in person, but they feel so passionately about me and it's because i actually care whether it's in the dms or at the lunch like you get my undivided attention at lunch i flip my phone over and i'm looking you in the eyes and i sometimes feel like i'm doing a podcast just interviewing them because i just want to learn everything about you and if there's anything i can do for you i want to help and then the bigger scale is just like i believe 
I'm going to meet, and I just use that number as like a crazy number of like two out of a thousand people, that'll be life changing. And a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to do 998 to just have two others that change my life. Like those numbers don't make sense. Whereas for me, it does. And yesterday I was on a call and I actually realized I've already met two life changing people, right? My prof from U Ottawa who connected me with the agency changed my life. Tony Greco changed my life from the agency to my own business. So I've actually already done it. Mm. And now I still have, you know, 50 years ahead of me. So I'm sure I'll meet more than two. Interesting. And one thing that's actually one thing that I I noticed when listening to, you did a podcast with Phil Paquette and one other person. I can't yeah, remember his Stefan. name. Stefan. And it was an interesting dynamic because it wasn't a traditional podcast. It was like kind of like, it was more just a conversation you guys going around the room. And I yeah. think I, I mentioned to you over a message that like, Pax talks almost as much as his guests, but that's just the way he conducts his interviews. Yeah, to style. But it was interesting to watch you navigate that because it was because I could like I was wasn't watching, I was listening to it. But the way you ask questions and the way you listen and um, then ask a question after that. Yeah. So is that it's like you said? It's like a podcast. When you sit down for lunch, your approach is to try and get that person to talk about themselves as much as possible. Yeah. Why? Like why? Like just to get to like you said, just to get those. Data. I think. The way I, it's funny, I took a personality test the other day and I realized that my personality type, A, it's, it's very rare. It's 2% of the world and there's 16 personality types. So they said it was the most rare type and I, I live to serve others. That's essentially what my personality type was. And that's why I think I get high off of admiration and doing because admiration comes from doing more for other people. That's why they admire you, if that makes sense. And so... Um, I think that since that's, that's my personality type, well, sorry, what was your question? I, I just like get off on these tangents, but I want to make sure I'm no, answering what you my, asked. My question was just like, or let me reframe the question is how do you, it was much more so how you conduct yourselves in those situations. Like, how do you know what questions to ask? Where do they come from? Is it just a oh, genuine curiosity? Yeah. I just listen to what they say and then I dig deeper on it. Right. Um, I think it's interesting for me. Like a lot of the times, like I get deep with people like it first time meeting and we'll have the most deep conversation, but it's because you'll say something and then I'll be like, okay, so when you said that, like, was that because this or because of this or like something else? And then they'll, they'll be like, oh, well like actually like this happened in my life. And I'll be like, wow, really? Okay. Like when that happened, like, how did you even navigate that? Like, that's crazy. And like all these things. Right. But it was funny. I was having a conversation yesterday with Deepak and I was saying low key, that's actually my, biggest vulnerability is that I, I don't really open up to others, right? Like even though we have these deep convos, it's a lot of times 98% about you, but it's a 50-50 convo. I'm asking just as much as you're speaking and I'm developing, oh, okay, well maybe this happened. What do you think? But it's always about them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't allow people to actually get to know me that well. They think they know me because we just had a deep thing, but it was actually just about them. And I was saying that that could be dangerous long term when it's like something may happen in my life where I need someone and they won't be able to know that I do need someone. Mm. It's almost kind of sad that like I need someone because they don't actually know me. They don't know, you know what I mean? And so I'm trying to make a point to be more open with people and share more with people and actually get them to know me more instead of serve them and and try to help them. And, and you know what I'm saying? And so... Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I don't know why we're talking about that, yeah, but it's okay. But, yeah. So how do you get people to know you more? 
by it's funny like i notice this on text a lot when people will like give me compliments or ask how are you i completely deflect deflect it and and switch the topic to something else so i think it it comes from like accepting when somebody wants to learn about me and actually being open to because i think like just my personality type like if i'm not serving others i almost feel like selfish i feel wrong and so if i'm talking about myself and and all this stuff like it just doesn't jive with my personality. Like I would rather you say like, how are you? Oh, good. Yo, oh, I saw him the other day you did this. Like, what was that about? And just like dive into them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that I think I need to work on. That's interesting. Now you just said that. So I wanted to dive a little deeper on it, but <laughs> we just spent a, a long portion of this conversation talking about brand building. And okay. the, the thing with brand building is it's a lot of work up front for a payoff later. Yeah. The payoff isn't immediate with brand building. You get that clearly. You're and putting the work the in. the payoff's massive. The payoff's well. massive. But how do you communicate that to a client who's focused on short-term economics? You don't. You tell them the truth. And if they don't understand it, you, you don't push it. Because I've told you, like, it's all mental. It's all mental. Like, it's all mental, bro. I had this moment, sorry to go on a different tangent, but I had this moment the other day where I just had a thing with a client and it was on my mind. Like, it was fucking me up. And I'm trying to work and we just had this thing and it's just like, I couldn't focus, right? Because like, this was in the back of my head. Then I had a call with a good friend of mine and we were talking business and we, we get so hyped. We bounce off each other like crazy. And after the call, I was on cloud fucking nine, bro. And I was killing work. And I was like, man, the environment didn't change. Just my mindset changed. I'm in the same chair doing the same work on the same laptop. And my whole life is different right now because my mind changed. And that's, it, it's moments like that where I'm just like, yo, it's everything. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have that call, I probably would have been like one quarter as productive that day. Right? And if my mind's always like that every day, look at that at a lifetime, right? So, yeah. So before we kind of get back into the brand building side, when a situation like that happens, where something negative happens and you watch your day start to spiral a little bit, what if you don't have a call like that coming up or, you know, like a call with your good friend, how do you stop yourself from spiraling in that situation? Well, I don't think it's necessarily spiraling because it's not going to get worse. It's just going to stay bad. Um, For me, what I would actually, I, I would put some effort in to try to just mentally just be like, okay, clear my mind, maybe put on a podcast, maybe put on some music, maybe change the vibe a little bit. But if I couldn't get to that place, I would accept it. I would not judge myself. And I would maybe stop working for the rest of the day and say, you know what, like, I'm not going to be productive right now. There's no point in me beating myself up more and trying to force myself. Let's go, you know, take a walk or let's try to get a nine hole of golf in or let's just call a friend and talk. And let's just accept it and know that we're going to go to bed tonight and we're going to start up tomorrow and it's going to be a new day, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's important to accept that like we're all human and we all have the right to feel certain ways. And when you feel a certain way, don't beat yourself up for it, right? Because I think that makes tomorrow easier. If you beat yourself up all day, you're almost waking up now with like fingers crossed. I don't feel that way again. Whereas if you just chilled out, there's a lot more chance that it's going to be a fresh start tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I think that's super like that? important. I do. Good. I do. I, the walk thing really resonated with me because that's what I started to notice. When mm-hmm. I hit those points in my day where I'm just like, I don't have it in me to get the work done. Like I just feel like I've hit a wall. Right. So just take that break. Because sometimes you feel like you just need to push through that wall and break the wall down and keep going. But when you have no energy at that point in time, breaking a wall down becomes really And that hard. was my first thing too is like, give it a shot. 
put a pot in, put this in, see if you can just get out of it. And I think it's it's like going to the gym, like it's doing reps. Like over time, you'll be able to shift your mind more when you just become more aware of like who you are and what get what makes you tick. And that that was just a thing. It doesn't matter. And you know what I mean? You'll get better. But it's cool to accept. I had a date like that the other day. And I put it on my story. I was like, I don't have many off days. But right now I'm having an off day. And I just want you guys all to know I'm having a fucking off day. Because I got a message from someone. And they were like, yo, you make me feel like I don't do anything with my life. And I was like, fuck. Okay, that's interesting. And I was like, well, th- what I do in my life is my happiness. Like, I like to be fucking chaos, right? And if that's not your happiness, you shouldn't try to be like me. You're not going to be happy. You need to do what, the- what makes you happy. And just because I got that DM when I did have my off day, I wanted to publicize it. So people know that I have off days and that I'm not always 110. Mm-hmm. You said the word happiness there. So we're going to jump in my notes a little bit. I originally wanted to dive into kind of Facebook ads and get a little bit tactical with you. Mm-hmm. But we're going to come back to that later. I want yeah. to talk to you. People can Google that shit. True. Well, to an extent. But talk to me about happy, happiness over everything. That's something I've heard uh, you say before. When did that click kay. for you? So I, I really think I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm blessed with the fact that I don't need to experience things to understand they're real, right? I don't need to be 45 stuck in a dead end job and have a midlife crisis to realize I want to change my life. I don't need my mom to get sick and have a health scare to realize life's short and I need to change my life. I could just almost imagine those things and that's why I go so hard now. It's almost like it's happened even though it hasn't. And that's why I'm so passionate about just living the ultimate life because I can just picture those things mentally, right? And so another thing that I picture is having a hundred million dollars in the bank, but doing it all the scummiest ways to get there and being alone in a massive mansion with all the cars in the world. And, and I can feel that I would be depressed if I had none of my friends, if my family hated me, if everyone thought I was a piece of shit who ripped them off, I would like potentially like kill myself. I can feel that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't need to experience that. I don't need to, a lot of people are like, yeah, well, let me get the money and find out, right? I know that's how I'll feel. So that's why I can confidently say happiness over money, right? I leave money on the table all the time. I give money back to people all the time when I feel like they're not satisfied. Even though I know it, it marketing is not a promise, you know, I'm not a magician. I just try the best that I can. It's a risk on both sides. Um, and I put the time in, but I'll give you your money back just because I want to always be good with everyone because that makes me happy. I want admiration. I want everyone to have a good word to say about me, right? And so it's another thing is like I keep my friend circle very close and very separate from business. When I'm hanging with my friends, like it's like it's like just like it was in high school. You know what I mean? And I know for life, I want those friends with me, whether I have 100,000 or whether I have 100 million in the bank. I need those people with me. And so I just focus on happiness. And I think by virtue of doing that, what ends up happening is you become really good at whatever you're doing because you're it's making you happy. And by virtue of that, you become one of the top. And by virtue of that, you make a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of the times it can work out. It just takes longer, right? Because if I just became an engineer out of school, I would have had a ton of cash right away, right? But it's not my happiness. So it takes a little bit longer to build this way. But I think the money just ends up coming too if you wait long enough. It's like building a brand versus selling. So I just believe like happiness over money because 
that's all that really matters in life. I, the money's not going to make me happy. Are you happy now? I'm extremely happy now. I, I say all the time, I said this to one of my best friends the other day, like, if I died right now, I'm actually good. I believe up to this moment in time, I've done everything that I've wanted to do. If you give me more time, there's a lot more to do. But I believe I've left it all in the field and done it all. And to me, pff, I'm at peace. Yeah. I have a, a quote written down here Uh-oh. from one of your songs. Sorry. <laughs> so this is from your song, Runaway. Okay. Okay. And so the quote is, kind of want to leave and be MIA mm-hmm. with sun rays and no Mondays. Mm. Have you accomplished the no Mondays part? Um, no, I just fell in love with Mondays. Mm-hmm. Right? I think at that point, I was, I was working at it like, I don't know, I was like working at a hardware store. So Mondays were the worst. But now I've built a life where I want Monday to come quicker. And I almost see every day as a Monday. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's, That's why when I'm doing my stories, I never know what fucking day it is. Because mm-hmm. they're all just another day. Which is interesting because I wrote down, so below that question in my notes, I wrote down just a, a note for myself, something interesting. And I said, I think it's interesting that you've accomplished the no Mondays part, but not in the way you thought you would have. Ooh. You thought you were going to accomplish no Mondays right. by cashing out and uh-huh. not having to work uh-huh. on Mondays versus now you don't have Mondays, but to your point, it's because you love Mondays and you don't even know when Monday is. That's so crazy. So it's just, you accomplished your goal technically, just but in a completely different way than you ever would have thought. I love that. And so this is kind of back to the happiness question. I just want to tell you that note that I did write that down. I love that, yeah. But with happiness and happiness over money being the ultimate goal that you're trying to get to, what do you, sell, what do you tell someone when they say, I don't know what makes me happy or I don't know what my passion is? Mm-hmm. What do you tell them? Um, perfect. So come up with some ideas that you think are potential, right? Because um, you got to have, have some direction. You know that you're going to want to be an archaeologist or be a race car driver, or you like ice cream, or you got to have some thoughts. You know, if you've lived like, let's say 20 years, like I'm sure you've noticed a couple things that you gravitate towards. So let's start with those. And let's dive deeper into those, right? My example of that is when I was in university, I took marketing, but I didn't know what I wanted to do within marketing. So I started tasting different things, you know, videography, websites, you know, billboards and shit like that, um, graphic design, digital, Facebook, like tasting all these things. And then certain things started to be like, oh, that's, you know, why am I up at night Googling more about it? Why am I watching a YouTube video trying to figure out, oh, that's my, that's my passion telling me you're interested in it. Okay, let's, let's accept it. Let's dive deeper, you know, and this is the reason. Actually, I'll get into that in a sec, but like, you just got to keep tasting things and then you'll feel what makes you happy based on your behavior. Like you'll just get happier. You'll get more excited. You'll be talking about it more to people. You'll be learning about it more. You'll be trying to start a side business about it. And then, so I think people like often want to think and figure out what they like. You'll never do that, right? It's like, you may think you hate um, sushi and then you eat a piece and you're like, this is the best. You don't know until you taste. You might think you love camping. You might think you love camping and I knew I'd hate camping and I went camping and I was actually correct. I hate it. <laughs> True. There was a point you were going to make. You said, and that's why. And then you went back. If you don't remember, we can move on. Dude, I don't know why I keep like losing my train of thought. I think I just like go off on tangents. Um, 
but yeah, we were talking, we were talking about, yeah, tasting stuff. Yeah. You know, if you don't have it, I got a question for okay, you. Okay, hit me. So what's the balance then if chasing your, if being passionate about what you're doing is what makes you happy? How do you balance being passionate about something that you're not good at and wanting to make that your job, but you're not good enough to make it what you want to do? Like, yeah. How do you balance that? So it's the combination of passion or it's a combination of talent and hard work. And passion should be the the top thing of like why you would ever do it anyway. But it's talent and hard work that are going to determine your success level, right? So if you're only DNA-wise going to become a 7 out of 10 at it, then your hard work will get you to that 7. If you can only be a 4, your hard work will get you to that 4. And if you can be a 10, your hard work will get you to that 10, right? That's why like if you look at the NBA, there's only like a LeBron and a Mike and a Steph Curry. There's not tons of them. Because that's the combo of a 10 DNA putting in the work, right? They're the ones that are doing the extra workouts, staying late, shooting extra. Because like they put in the work, but they have that that level and they're passionate about it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I would say. Do you still have a piece of paper above your desk that says no. you can't read about doing push-ups? No. No? Why don't you take it down? Well, I moved. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't. I don't need the reminder anymore. I know it. It's in my heart. I I, I embody it every day. Mm-hmm. I think it was a reminder in the beginning, but it's one of those things where it's like, they say like, once you do the same habit for whatever amount of time, like you don't need to remind yourself. It just becomes a real habit. Mm-hmm. You put the work in. Every day. But it's because I love it. It's it's not work. It's, it's like, I'm almost like, don't want to lose this life. That's why I work so hard because I just love it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can turn work off whenever you want. Whenever. And I'm, not, I'm not working right now. That's how do, you, how do you determine then when to turn it off? Whenever I feel like it. You just have to be accountable enough to turn it on when it needs to be turned on. Like when you do feel like it, mm-hmm. you know? So some days are 15 hours and some days are seven. But I just make sure shit gets done. And when something needs to get done, it gets done regardless, right? Because like people are paying me. Yeah. And I want to talk, so now let's get a little bit more tactical. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier how you don't work magic. What you do is you take your your client's product yeah. and you put it in front of their consumers. You put it in front of the people that should be seeing it. That's yep. what you do. Yep. But one thing that I've noticed that you do that's different from other marketing agencies is you approach a client like an entrepreneur. You approach it like you own that business versus some marketing agencies approach from a marketing angle. You approach it from the entire perspective. I've seen you talk about like with a restaurant client, you were talking about the experience within the restaurant, how you guys can enhance the experience of the restaurant. That's not marketing, but that's something you're thinking about or another company that where there's packaging involved and you're talking about how the package is going to look and what to include like where did that come from where you approach it like the owner yourself versus like just just care like i don't want a paycheck that's why like i said i'll give you your money back like i want to win i want to have the best brand right i want every single client to know that i give a fuck i email them so frequently to just check in, let them know that I just did this, did that for them, just because I want to stay on the top of their mind because they see what I'm up to on my story that I just did a photo shoot. And now I'm doing a podcast, right? And so as long as they know that I checked in with them, you know, yesterday and said, oh, like, did you notice this? Like, what do you think? I think we should do this. You know, I just never want there to be a debate about how much I cared. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm down to do business development with them because sure, I can help you get people in the door, but I want to help make sure that those experiences are the best. So every person we get in the door comes back 
and loves it and talks about it and your business grows. I don't care about your marketing. I want your business to grow. That's why I drive business results. I don't drive marketing results. Interesting. Yeah. I like that distinction. So talk to me then about the ways, let's talk about the ways you go about driving those results is through the ads. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing you start with when it comes to the ad, do you start with the audience or do you start with the creative first? I start with the goal. Okay. Um, it's fascinating actually how many businesses aren't clear on what their goal is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the first thing that needs to get nailed down. A lot of businesses are crippled by opportunity. They could have so many things they could do and it's hard for them to make those choices. Um, but yeah, it comes down to the goal. Do you want to sell shit? Do you want to book reservations? Do you want to generate leads? Do you want to just build brand awareness? Like what's your goal, right? And then between the goal and the audience dictates the creative so if you want to sell shit to 35 year old mothers who like soccer that'll dictate what we put in the ad Mm -hmm. right you need the contextual creative that maps to the audience all day and like for small businesses it's sometimes tough to make contextual creative um but we try our best so maybe a general piece of content but the captions contextual because that's easy that's just changing the the words you type or the headlines contextual or the landing pages contextual because once you build one template you just change keywords and you can build out the rest of the landing pages that are contextual so i'm i always basically what i tell my clients is i'm going to give you the best thing ever but based on your restrictions whether that's time whether that's money whether that's effort that that you care about i want you to box it in and then we'll go to the edges of those boxes Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying Interesting. And so I was speaking with another marketer on this podcast. He was talking about when it comes to Facebook ads, once again, once the goal and the audience is defined with the creative, is you need the creative to be thumb stopping. It has to stop someone in their tracks. What have you noticed makes people stop on an ad? Just you gotta grab their like you gotta almost like punch them in the face, if that makes sense. With the with the photo and also the headline combo, right? Mm-hmm. Um so like we just launched an ad yesterday that's for this power bank for the back of your phone. And the, f- the first thing it does is like, it's like flashes red with like the dead battery logo, boom, boom, boom. And then it comes in and it starts, right? Mm-hmm. So grabbing attention. And I've actually created a custom metric in Facebook called thumb stop ratio. And this is this is what I use to explain to the clients like, like how important the grabbing attention is. So what I do is I divide the reach by the three second watch. So then we can understand out of everyone that we reached, how many watched three seconds? And it'll create a ratio of like 30% did or 50% did. And so a lot of the times what happens is like we have more sales on this ad, but it's not, we could have the same ad. It'll just have a different intro, right? And it'll be like, well, this one stopped 50% of people and this one stopped 30% of people. And even though the conversion rate on the website is 2% on both, we got a lot more to the website through the 50% for the same budget. And by virtue of that, we sold more products. Right. So the thumb stops the whole thing. Like if people just breeze by the ad, it doesn't matter what the ad is, what we wrote in the ad, anything like it's over. So you got to you got to grab their attention first or else you're dead. And and honestly, when when I work with videographers and photographers, mostly videographers, all I tell them is all about what to do in the first two seconds. I let them do the rest. I don't care about the rest of the ad. It'll do what it'll do. And my opinion is as good as theirs. But in those two seconds, we got to grab their attention, mm-hmm. right? We're not making movies here. We're not making like crazy art here. We're fucking selling shit. So let's 
let's be serious and really grab their attention. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's like the that's a that's just a great way of explaining the combination of the art and the math that's required to do <sighs> Facebook ads. Yes. And one, it. Yep. This, this is again almost like a side tangent. This is just a question I've, I've this is an observation I've made in the past. What is it about skateboarders that allows them to be creative when they grow up, or even at the whole the whole thing's creative. Mm-hmm. The, I love skateboarding, bro. Like you, the first thing about skateboarding is it's like all ethnicities, all genders, all ages together, right? I, I would skateboard with forty five year old white dads and African American seventeen year olds and a Chinese girl, you know what I'm saying? Like it's the whole thing and nobody judges each other, right? Nobody judges each other and nobody's competing against each other. The way you skate is fucking dope. The way I skate is dope. Your trick's sick. Like, and everyone has the freedom to do what they want, right? You could jump down the stairs. You can, you can grind the bench. You can manual on the pad. You can go to the half pipe and do that type of stuff. Like you can be completely creative. You can go out of the skate park, go to the streets. You can shoot your videos more in a funny way or more serious way or follow it or take photos wide lens small like it's art the whole thing's art and there's legit no judgment right because if i go if i go and do a backside flip down the stairs and you go in front blunt the the bench you don't really know what's better right Mm -hmm. and on top of that everyone has their own style like once you really get into skateboarding you'll notice some people are just so fluid with it some people are really you know stiff and stick stick and like it's just it's art like some of my favorite skateboarders don't do the coolest tricks. It's just like beautiful to watch them do. They're so clean. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it, it's it's art. It's completely art. And that's why a lot of people don't like that it's being added to the Olympics, that there's competitions. Because that's really not what it is. It's not a sport. It really isn't. It's art. It's an expression of who you are. It's an extension of your body, really, the skateboard. Interesting. Yeah. I just I just asked that because like I've observed just especially when I had like a photography videography phase, a lot of the photography videography people that I watched were all skateboarders. Yeah. And I was like, well that's just a clear link and that skateboarders end up being creative as they get older. This is why I left soccer for skateboarding is because I I, w- I started soccer so young that it was my parents would like pick a sport and I just picked one, right? And I I got good at it. That's that's why I went to where I went, but when I was 16, I had to really make a decision like do you want to make this your life or not, right? I decided like to go skateboarding because it's actually who I was mm-hmm. like soccer wasn't who I was skateboarding was. And so I kind of followed my heart. Interesting. So you've always had a ton of interests. I think it was on my last podcast. You said I'm the guy who falls in love with stuff over time, but yeah. then falls in love with new stuff. I don't know if I'm different though. I'm just down to chase the interest. I think a lot of people are interested, but scared to, to try it. Yeah. Lack of judgment. And so is having, now, I, I don't know if like I had to learn what this was when someone dropped this on my podcast. So mm-hmm. if you don't know what it is, let me know because yeah. I didn't know when it got on a podcast. Yeah. But is a multi-hyphenate career something you're interested in? I don't know what that is. A career where you want to be able to do multiple things at the same time. So maybe you have your marketing business here, but you also have this business and this business and this business. And be pursuing multiple interests and over time doing different things throughout your career. Like, Do you, do you foresee yourself? Uh, yeah, I will. 100%. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I'm kind of doing it right now. I run a marketing agency, but I build a personal brand. Right? Like, even though they're slightly linked, to me, I need both. I need I need the chaos and the challenge and the hard work and the fires and the, all the shit. But I also need to then DM 10 people every night and, like, tell them I love them and I love what you did there. And if there's anything I can do to help, like, to me, those are almost like two different lives that I live that kind of I can push into each other a little bit. But I think it's multi and, and long term, like, I see myself doing a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. 
One thing, so you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that kind of like one of the next steps for you is going to be kind of building out the agency or that be bringing on people or whatever it might be. Yeah. But do you think that by bringing people on, that will allow you to be less nimble because you have more responsibilities and overhead tied into it versus before when oh. you go from soccer to skateboarding, it's a personal decision. Yeah. But once you go from, say you go agency to something else, you have this responsibility of these people that are working for you in this and the overhead you've accrued yeah. is that going to stop but you? You choose anything? your involvement. Mm-hmm. If I find I have too much on my plate, I hire someone to take it off my plate. You know, maybe a, a really high level person long term down the road. We're talking, but you know, to take that off my plate, right? You just look at Gary. He's he's traveling the world, talking on stages for hours and in the air, flying and like all this different stuff. But he has a thousand person company that he's the CEO and COO of, right? Mm-hmm. He just hires people to delegate like the actual tasks to work. And then you have to be open to letting them do it their way. I think that that's what people struggle with is letting go of control. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Gary's a master of. That's something I need to work on, but I'm aware of it and I'll get better at it. And when I get there, that allows you to just scale and win. It's perfect that you say that. That was going to be my next question. Interesting. Was As you hire, obviously, it's going to be less and less you delivering, yeah. right? which is the, I mentioned steak and sizzle earlier, sizzle being the marketing, steak being the work. So how do you then go with that in mind? How do you approach hiring? Because this is someone that's going to be representing you now because you've built such a strong personal brand and delivered such good results. How do you hire? Yeah, so I got to, there's a couple of things. Like I think I have to be willing to financially invest in people instead of doing the minimum viable investment. So instead of just hiring one person, because they'll do half the work and I'll do the other half of the work, but I only pay them a quarter of the money and I take three quarters and it, I make, you know what I mean? Instead of doing that, I need to hire two people, pay out half the money, but that allows me to then focus on managing instead of doing half the work, right? Because then I can focus on the people and I can be like, okay, you know, you guys did a good job. Send me your stuff because I have time. I can look at it, you know, prove it over time, give them more leniency as they get better and better and better. But I think that will allow me to still be the top of funnel bottleneck, at least in the early stages. Then when they can become beasts, understand what I like, they become bottlenecks, right? So I think it just becomes like making long-term investments financially, even when you don't have to, in theory, um, in humans, in order to then be, be in a place where you can scale and, and maintain that quality level. Um, and when it comes to hiring, 100% I'm hiring on who the human is. Um, the, the intern that I just got, he, he DM me out of the blue. He didn't even know I was hiring. And the first thing I said to him is, I love how you came at me. Like on DM. I was like, dude, I, I don't know why. I, and I met him yesterday and he was like, why did you say that? And I, I tried to read and I was like, okay, based on what you said here, I could tell this about you. And, and I actually thought about it and broke it down. But I just loved how he came at me. He was, he was a fourth year Telfer student, which I related with. And he was hungry. He just wanted to, he really wanted to learn. He knew what he wanted to learn. And I got on a phone call with him, supposed to be 15, lasted an hour, we just hit it off. And I was like, this is the guy. Mm-hmm. At least this is the guy I want to go my first shot with, right? And he ha- he doesn't know anything about digital marketing. He's never ran an ad in his life. And I'll teach him all that stuff because the skills are teachable. The human nature of being a good person, a kind person, a thoughtful person, a passionate person, I can't teach you that. Mm-hmm. So I have to hire for that and teach you the skills. Yeah, no, I love that. Because I was watching a video recently and it was saying how um, someone was talking to an engineer and they said, I've, I've fired a ton of 
or I've, I've never fired an engineer for not being able to do the work so we can teach them that. But I've fired tons of engineers for not being good people. Dude, my dad, my dad is an engineer. He says that all the time, right? Oh, really? Because my dad is actually a very good communicator. And that's the one thing he's always instilled in me in my life is like, no matter what you do, be a good communicator. I don't give a fuck about anything else. Be a good communicator, right? And he's like, I see it every day in, my, in his engineering. He's like, so many smart people. And if you put them in front of a client, they'll blow the whole thing. And it's not because like they can't even communicate the thing. A lot of the times it's like, they're just going to be rude to the client because the client won't get it fast enough. And they'll be like, oh, like it's so easy. Like, you know what I mean? And so he's like, if you can be smart as fuck, like an engineer, but have the communication human side to things, you're, you're unstoppable for real. It's actually dangerous because when you have the intellect, let's say, and the human skills, you can do anything. It just... You can be good or bad. You can decide where you take it, right? Have you thought about culture scaling as you grow? It's the whole thing. That's why I have to hire for who the human is because I need to maintain that culture. Employee retention will be the main metric I look at. I want people to only leave me when they have an incredible opportunity and still they think about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I want people to just be so fucking happy working for me. I want to compensate them fairly. Um... And, and that's the whole thing because Gary says continuation allows you to go fast and kill, right? So when, you, when you're when you not turning over every year and having to retrain and da, 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 when you have five years, six years, it's like, a, it's like a, uh, a sports team. When you have the same guys that have been together for a while, they become pretty pretty strong. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about retention, but on the not on the side of, a business, or of hiring now, on the side of customers. Sure. So I was talking with a guy named Troy Ossinoff a couple episodes ago. And okay. It's actually interesting. The way he goes about his agency is a similar way you do it, where it's like he comes at it from the whole perspective, not just right. the marketing perspective. But we got into a conversation around retention around your customers. Okay. And one thing that, like an observation we were talking about was that customer, or businesses get so focused on acquiring new customers and they get tied to that customer acquisition cost, but they forget about retention. Is that something you've noticed is customers are always looking for new customers? The reason I know I'll never do that is because of how I conduct my personal brand. Not you, sir, but like from, from a client. I get it. Oh, okay. But the reason I know I'll never do it is because my actions in my personal brand don't lead to th- those actions in my business, right? Yeah. I care about depth. I don't care about getting more people. The people that I have, as many as I get, that's nice. But every person I have, I want to keep and build because so what you're saying is with the clients. Yes. Right? I'm at a place now where I'm at, I I turn down 90% of my offers, right? Or opportunities just because I don't want to risk losing another a client mm-hmm. to take on a new opportunity because my time is full right now. That's why I need to hire so I can scale at XYZ, but all I care about right now is making every client happy that I currently have. Mm-hmm. No, but I mean like so from when working with a client, okay. do you have to communicate to a client the importance of retention? I I believe in it, but it's not my first step. Mm. For them, a lot of the times what I want to do is build trust with them. I want to drive results top of top of funnel mm-hmm. for what I'm what I'm promising. And then once we get there, it's like, okay, how do we make this better? Well, let's invest in building a brand. Let's invest in email marketing. Let's invest in SMS. Let's invest in random acts of kindness. Let's right? But that's not the first step. For me, especially just being like a single human being right now and, and still having some like skepticism around if I can do what I say I'm going to do, my goal is to drive results as fast as possible to build that trust, that credibility, and then we'll talk about improvements down the road. Interesting. That makes sense? I think so. 
I think a lot of people listening to this podcast, just hearing you speak, they'll know that you know what you're talking about. You found what you want to do. But it took you a long time to get here. Sure, yeah. And so it, it took me a long time in the macro, but once I figured it out, it took me real quick. So I want to ask, so when it comes to making a decision, we'll use rap as the example. Okay. When you've done rap for however many years it was, two, three years, yeah. you made the decision to quit or like quit to stop rapping. Yeah, left the game. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a quote written down. I think it was from our podcast. Yeah. I have a quote. You said, if I, if I make it in three or four years, I don't want to hate it. You loved writing, you loved record, or you loved writing and performing, but recording and that whole process you didn't enjoy. And that's part of the reason. Uh, yeah. But so then do you look at that time, those two, three years that you invested in everything, your money, your time no. into rap and leaving? Is no it regret, not right? Like mm-hmm. if I never did it, I would have always been like, fuck, maybe I would have, maybe I would have made it. Now I have the data to show me I didn't, at least in that time frame. And to me, that's like realistic kind of trajectory to understand where I would have ended up. And I I still like get to blend my passion because I work with artists mm. and I get to now blend music with marketing, which is almost more exciting for me. Um, and I get to work with talented artists. I don't, this is a perfect example. I think my talent was a six to a seven max. That's where I would have got. I would have never been Drake. I can't, I, no matter what, I'll never be able to sing, right? Like rhyme wise, you know, I was pretty good at crafting, but I still thought my flows were like generic and not like creative and new. And like, I think that's a DNA thing. Like some people just hop in the booth and they got it. And I've seen it. I've seen guys that record and like, they've never done a song and they just start. And I'm like, how the fuck? They're like, I don't know. Like it just comes out. And I'm like, what? And so I think that's the DNA. And so for me, I'm happy I scratched that itch and have like conclusive data to tell me maybe that wasn't my career path. But I still love hip hop. And I just realized being the artist wasn't the move. Now let's try blending it with marketing and see if that's the move. And, and I really enjoy it. I love like seeing talented artists that I know can blow up and helping them get to that point. Mm-hmm. I think the thing you hit on there is the loving aspect of it. Right. And I saw a clip from a Logan Paul podcast. Yeah. And he was talking about how like when people talk about wanting to be a YouTuber and they say they love it. And he goes, do you really? Like, are you willing to do this for 10,000 hours? Yeah. And at the end of those 10,000 hours, if you're exactly where you are today, are you still going to love the process? Right. And if you don't, then you don't actually love it. You just want it. You think you love it, but you actually want the result. Yep. And so I think you loving hip hop probably, correct me if I'm wrong, but it made the transition then for you to admit that this wasn't the thing yeah. and to step away. Did that make it easier for you knowing you actually loved it? And to step away versus someone that's in it to just try and quote unquote cash out is going to, because they've sunk so much time into it, want to try and push through to get to the, to secure the bag, if that makes for sense. For me, it was just like, I just don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, so I guess that was falling out of love with it. But it, like I said, it's falling out of love with being the artist. Mm-hmm. I might have loved being a manager. I think I just like, I scratched the itch. I tasted it. I enjoyed it. But when it was time to like move on, I wasn't attached to it. And I think that's such a strength. So many people like just keep doing something because they it's their thing, right? That's why people struggle with leaving their job and chasing their dream because they're like comfortable. They've been doing it for some years. It's their thing. Like I could have still been just rapping and making music. But when I realized it wasn't anymore, I wasn't scared to like step back and try something different. Do you ever as a form of creative expression write for fun still with no intent of putting it out? No, because like I like I really realized I don't want to be the artist. Mm -hmm. Like I love hip hop. I love when certain people drop music and I get to memorize it and then rap it word for word with my buddies. Like, like that's what I love. 
mm-hmm. right? And so I don't want to be the artist. I want to appreciate it. And and now I'm testing helping market it if that's something I'm interested in. But we'll see. Maybe in a couple of years, I'll be like, Ugh, I don't. And it, I, I don't even think I love marketing artists because it's so hard, right? Because there's no money coming in. Unlike another business, when you market and you get money back and you reinvest it, and then you get money back and you re- and you kind of go up the stairs, right? With an artist, you invest and you just get new fans. And then you invest and you just get new fans. And you invest and you get new fans. And eventually you have so many fans that boom, you skyrocket. But it's a whole nother business model. And so I always tell artists, like, if you don't have like $100,000 to put into Facebook ads, you're not really going to move the needle of your life where you like feel different. Like you'll, you'll get some more fans, but like you'll still be not making money at your house working like you know what i'm saying so it's a mm-hmm. tough model that's why you have to love music to, mm-hmm. to become the best on the last podcast you told the your your logic story which right. is an insane story crazy and at that point logic had made it like yep. so that makes the story even crazier <laughs> yeah you don't have to but i want to give you a platform to tell the Darren Falana story here so it's documented. So for when he does blow up, <laughs> yeah. you can point back wow. to Wow. Okay. Okay. Let's go. So Darren Falana, the most talented artist that I've ever heard. Swear swear to God. Like my buddy, my buddy basically showed me his music. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's so talented. And we were like, where do you think he's from? And I was listening to him. I was like, oh, he's definitely not like from california he sounds more like new york maybe chicago has a little kanye to him and then we were like how many followers do you think this guy has because we just found him on a playlist and the song was fire and we were like i was like he probably has like 50k and my buddy was like "Ah, i think he has like maybe 30k so we look him up and he has like five thousand, and he's from toronto and he had a blue check so it was so confusing. We're like, okay, this guy's mad talented, but doesn't have any followers. It's from down the road, but he's verified on Instagram. So what the fuck is going on right now? So I DM him right away. And I'm like, yo, you are the most talented artist I've ever heard in my life. But you you don't have followers. Like that makes zero sense. Like you're doing something wrong from a marketing standpoint because you have the talent, right? You have the DNA to be a 10. And I was like, please, like pro bono, let me just help you. Like, I want to get you there, right? And so anyway, we he, he goes, yo, call me. So I call him like right away and we get on a phone call. He's coming back from the studio and we're just talking, you know, getting to know each other a little bit. And I'm like, yo, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And he's like, he's feeling it and whatever, whatever. And so we continue talks and I end up going to Toronto. Uh, I don't know how much longer later, but maybe like two months later, doing a couple business things there. But one of the things is I met him, Right. And it was funny because we kept missing each other. Like we were supposed to come to the studio and then his manager texted me. He's like, oh, like this came up. So like, can we do it tomorrow? And we're like, yeah, perfect. And then his manager's like, oh, like he doesn't know if he can make it. And then I'm like, fuck this. I'm just going to text him directly. So I text him directly and he's like, yo, just meet me at uh, this Starbucks in the Brampton like town center. Like it's like a shopping mall in Brampton. So now we're not going to the studio and we're going to meet him at a Starbucks in the Brampton shopping mall. So I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So me and my buddy, we drive over. And we're just waiting in the in the Starbucks and uh, he pulls up and he's like with nobody. He's just by himself. 
we sit down and probably talk for like two hours, two and a half hours about everything, you know, about his career, where he's at, what he's been up to, the music he's been making, you know, things that I think he should do. And then he would hit me back with like, well, this is happening. Give me more context. I'm like, okay, interesting. Like the way maybe I would navigate it and da, 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 da. And then we, we, we connected on a hip hop level. He's telling me his favorite artists. And what I realized about him is he studied the game. You know, he knows the cadences of Kendrick Lamar and how he fits the pocket and how J. Cole does it differently and how he, you know, does these like vocal tones. And like he he really studied this shit. And I'm like, okay, like this guy, he's he's talented, but he also has put in the work. You know what I mean? And I'm like, this guy's going to be the guy. And then um, I was like, yo, can you show us some like new stuff? Because like he hadn't put out stuff in a while. And he's like, yeah, let's go. So legit, we go to like his Camry, bro. And I'm in the passenger seat, he's in the driver's seat, my buddy's in the back, and he's just playing us the vault, right? And he has like tons of tracks. And oh my God, it, my 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 brain is being blown up, bro. I'm like, I'm legit telling this guy, I'm like, look, just so you know, because the problem with him is he's not putting out enough music, right? And I'm like, just so you know, you don't have to ever get in the studio again. If you just put out the vault, these 200 tracks over the next 200 weeks, you will be an A-list celebrity and one of the biggest artists in the world, mark my words. Like, that's how confident I am in this guy. And I would, and he's just apprehensive to drop certain things, wants to do it certain ways, respect, respect, it's an art, you're an artist, whatever. But man, unlimited potential. He played me this one song and he was like, I don't think I'm ever gonna drop it. And I was like, if you don't drop this in the next two years, like, please just email me it. I just need this in my life. I need this song forever. You know what I'm saying? Like, that level of talent. So you know, we still talk. I'm, I'm really close with his manager. That was actually the guy that I said we did the FaceTime and it made me really pumped up after the client mm-hmm. thing. And we're, I'm working with his manager on a couple other projects. But yeah, he if the thing about him too is he's so talented that if he decides to do no marketing and just put it out, he's going to blow up anyway. It'll just take longer. I told him that. I'm like, look, you have the enough talent that you're going to become famous anyway. But if you go hard marketing wise, you'll, it'll just happen quicker, right? And so, you know, I, I think he's a great guy and, and super talented artist and he's gonna be massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. I just wanted you to have that, the ability to be able to point to this. <laughs> I, it, so when, when we left the car, I look at my buddy and I was like, in five years, no one's ever gonna believe this story that we just like listened to unreleased tracks in, in his Camry with him in the Brampton Town Center parking lot. Mm-hmm. So thank you for letting me put this on wax. I of appreciate course. that. I had to. I had to. <laughs> and I want to get into a couple more. I don't know. If I just kind of wrote other questions and mindset questions. I have a little bit before we get into kind of the wrap up. But you went back to your high school to give a talk. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. How cool was that for you to be able to go back to school oh, and just sick man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was cool because like I wanted to practice just freestyling. You know what I mean? Like just getting up there and just talking. And it it was an interesting dynamic. Because it's me, one, talking to many, a class, but not expecting response, which I've never really done before. Because I've done panels, I've done podcasts, but there's always a response to what you're saying. Whereas with the class, like, I would talk, and then I'd finish my point, and it would be crickets. And it's like, oh yeah, okay, um, next thing. You know what I mean? So it was a very different dynamic, which was interesting, and I got to, you know, learn a little bit that way. Um, But I think... I really inspired the kids. You know, I was only, I don't know, five, six years older than them, right? So they saw themselves and me and stuff like that. And I sat in the same chairs that they were in. That was my marketing class back in high school. And I was just like, look, guys, like, just so you know, like, I'm sure like you have a lot of pressures right now for university and all this stuff. And like, 
do what you need to do, but just follow your heart. Like do what you actually want to do and understand through the internet, legitimately anything's possible. You know, these are case studies of things that I've done through the internet and Here's my Instagram, DM me, I'll talk to you guys, I'll help you guys through it. You know, I've been right in your spot. I know there's a ton of pressure right now going into, you know, university after your final year and stuff like that. And, you know, here's some marketing tips, but it's a high school marketing class. So not all of them care. They're just taking it as an elective. So I went more high level, more inspirational as like they make this transition. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I hope one day to get an email from one of them saying like, I changed, I changed their life and this is where they're at now. And, you know, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. In that scenario where you're talking to the kids and there's just crickets after you make a point. Yeah. Does your background and your experience with rap and performing, how does that come into play when you're giving a talk or something? One, it obviously just makes you probably natural in front of a crowd. It's funny. Like I've actually thought about this. Like Gary says a lot of the time, like watching comedians and watching wrestlers is basically how he communicates on stage, right? He's all riled up like... Saturday come see the fight you know what I mean but he's also like very comedic in the way he delivers things and and so he's like I think the combo that made him I think for me looking up to hip-hop artists I deliver like a like a performance right like I'm almost like walking around and like pointing at people and like making eye contact and like trying to like hit hit like the key points and like it it's funny that's how I think that I deliver like live on stage and so um, I guess when, when the students don't respond, like, I don't think that that really changes too much from, from music. Cause with music, I, I have my set planned out. Like I know like after this song, you know, this is going to drop and I'm going to get into the next thing. Right. Whereas this was like, and I was freestyling this. I had no idea where it was going. Whereas like with the music, I have, I, I have my set planned out. Right. So it's a little different. I think with this one, it's just practice. It's just awareness. Like, cause I didn't think. Like, obviously that was going to happen, but I didn't think about it before. I didn't realize it was. So when it happened the first time, I was like, you know what I mean? I didn't know what to do. And so, but I just think it takes practice. I think that's interesting though. You said how like, that's where you get your cadence from is from rappers. Oh, and yeah. that's why I said in the intro. Yeah, exactly. Mannerisms like Drake. And I just like, sometimes I'll be watching a Drake video or something and he'll move a certain way. And I'd be like, I've seen you move in a similar <laughs> way. And it's just that's like, it. it's just interesting kind of yeah. seeing that coming together. But with that in mind, so like you said, you kind of went out from a high level with the kids. Yeah. What would you go back and tell 18-year-old or 17-year-old Hayden if you were talk if Hayden was in that class yep. and you were presenting? What would you say? That what you're doing is right. Mm -hmm. I swear to God. Like that's what I wanted to instill in them is like there's gonna be so many voices right now in your fucking head of what you should do. And respect the shit out of them. Understand they all have self-interests for you, right? And just make sure that you don't live with a regret. Mm -hmm. Like if your parents want you to be a doctor, like but you want to paint, please go paint. And like, don't make your parents pay for your painting. If, if you don't want to follow their path, find a way to get money and pay for your own school to paint, right? It's, it's just happiness over money, right? Parents, parents often play defense because they're scared that their child will end up a loser. And whether that's because they want other people to think their child's a winner, just on their own conscience, they'll feel like, like obligated to make sure that you don't lose. Mm -hmm. Like you just got to realize like that's the position they're coming from. And it's out of love. Like it's because they love you and they want you to like make money. But if you do some shit that you hate, you're going to resent them. Right. And it's going to be painful. And when you're 45 and have your midlife crisis, cause you're still an accountant, cause your parents force you to be an accountant, you're going to have a lot of resent for them. So I just think, um, you know, maybe short-term pain by going the painting route, they'll hate you for a little bit, but when they realize how happy you are, I think um, it'll all be good. 
Now, the answer to this next question is probably going to be the same answer that you gave to 18-year-old Hayden. But what would 35-year-old Hayden, what advice would he give you now? Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Because what I'm doing right now is living with zero regret. Like I said, I could die right now and I'd be fine in terms of what I've done in my life. And so to me, I think forever, like regret can never be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think, I think that's the overall thesis of my life. And zero regret, in my opinion, is happiness. Because regret is the only thing that will crumble my happiness. And so they're like, they're, they're together. What's your, how do you feel about leaving a legacy? It's something that I struggle with because it's like, it's on the one hand, you don't want to care what anyone thinks. And all legacy is, is what people think about you. But it's also people think about you and you don't even know what they think. And you have no control over your legacy, especially once you're gone. So what's your relationship with leaving a legacy? I'm trying my best at not judging myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you're right. You can't control it, right? Anything out of your control, as soon as you realize it's out of your control, you have to not judge yourself. Right? Because like you can't control it. Right? And, and, and to me, it's, it's, it's less about the, the, the size of the legacy. It's the depth. Mm -hmm. I, like I, there's certain people in my life like that I just tell them, they're like, man, like, like, how can I ever, you know, repay you? And I'm just like, just like at my funeral, like, like give a good, give a good speech. You know what I mean? Like, like, like tell everybody at that point. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, that's the depth of a legacy that I care about. Like if I wanted to reach as many people as possible, I'd like run in traffic and put it on YouTube. You know what I mean? But like, there's no depth there. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, I'm more of a depth guy. That's why I think I have very deep conversations with most people is like, I just like depth instead of more mm -hmm. what do you dwell on nothing mm -hmm. no like I, I the other day i messaged the, I, I put on on social like i messaged the two people that mm -hmm. even even both of them one of them was a 50 50 and the other one was 100 percent them but i knew that prior to that they were important people in my life for three four five years you know, and, and the fact that something had gotten between that and we'd let it manifest for years, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to send them videos and, and apologize, not even apologize, but just say like, it's done. Like, let's, let's go back to being friends. You know, like I miss, I miss your presence in my life. And I think for me having that closure with those two people kind of put the final nail in the coffin. Like that's, there's nothing else that I really need to reconcile. Talk to me about the importance of taking the long route. I think the importance of taking the long route is building real foundation, right? If you build a house really quick, but the foundation's bad, as soon as there's a little, little earthquake, the whole thing comes down. But if you take the long route and build it the right way, um, it's, it's, it's actually, this is like a concept that makes sense in marketing terms too, is like, there's two ways to do Facebook ads. One is hacking Facebook system, knowing all the little buttons and all the different types of bidding and all the different things that you can do and hacking it. The other way is just understanding consumers and understanding what the tools are and how the consumer wants to be best communicated to. And I might not put the right bid cap and all these little things, but it's just doing what's actually right for the consumer. And if you understand the consumer, they'll never change. The platform may change, but the consumer is still the same on the other end. So as long as you understand the consumer, you can quickly navigate the platform and figure it out. Whereas if you know the little hacks, it works. But as soon as things change, you, you crumble and break. And to me, it, that's the same concept of just like doing it the right way, right? Like that's why along the way of my journey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like impact as many people as possible pro 
because like I know like that's the foundation that will never break. Mm-hmm. When I if I ever need someone, I know that like they'll be there. Whereas if I just like hacked everyone and fucked over everyone and got a quick bag, when I'm in trouble, they're saying <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know. I guess like that's my kind of hot take on that. I love the answer to that question, but it's the opposite direction of where I was going with it. Okay. So taking the long route is advice you were given when it came to working while traveling or when you go to get coffee in the morning. Right. Where did that come from and why is that important? That was more along the lines of appreciate the journey, right? Like it was Ryan Pownell and he told me like, I was like, man, I don't know if I would want to travel and work because I feel like I wouldn't appreciate the travel because I would just work. And he was like, man, it's about incorporating the travel into the work. So he's like, instead of just going to the coffee shop, take the 30 minute long route to get to the coffee shop and look around and appreciate it and find that balance, right? And I have one friend in particular, actually, that's been helping me with that, of just like being present, right? When you when you have so many things going on, I find myself in the past and still to this day sometimes like talking to people and no idea what they just said because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about something completely different, right? And so I think like just being present in the moment and appreciating the moment because at the end of the day, those memories is all that you have. And if you were like in a beautiful place, but all you were thinking about was something else, you don't even have that memory, right? Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You got the invitation to join the digital marketing certificate yeah by accident yeah where would you be right now if that had never hit your inbox no idea where i'd be right now i think i'd like to think i'd be in the realm of digital marketing i just would have found it a different way um but my life would be completely different because Mm -hmm. oseg was the pivotal moment in my life of like changing everything for real you know um and that's that's where we met. Mm-hmm. That's where the inception of this podcast became like fruition, like real life shit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I learned all my skills, the real foundation of what I do. That's where I, I got thrown budget to run campaigns and they didn't even care. They were just like, go do it. Yeah, you want to test things? Go, go, go. Like it was like a blessing, right? So through the marketing um, thing, I don't think I would have gotten to OSEG. So my life would have been different, but I, I like to think I would have gone to digital because I wasn't marketing. I just would have tasted a different way. Maybe got a job somewhere else and who knows, but I'm glad it worked out this way. Mm-hmm. So we all know that we already know that what's next for you is kind of hiring and that's the next piece of the journey. Yeah. But do you think about long-term, like what's your long-term vision or do you just, is just all yeah. you focus on is happiness and whatever it is at that time? No, like long-term. And the thing about long-term is I'm very open to, new information and new experiences changing my long-term vision. Mm. But right now, what I see myself is like, I want to build this agency and then systemize it so it's somewhat on autopilot um, and then use it as a a piece of credibility as to why Mm. people should listen to what I have to say. Mm -hmm. And then what I have to say is going to help them in their lives, whether that be business, mental, friendships, relationships, whatever, right? And it's because like, even though I'm building a business, I'm also doing that simultaneously while like growing as a human being, right? And you have to be able to balance the two. So I just, I want to build this agency to be a credibility piece as to why you should listen to me. I feel like if you, if I go up on a stage right now and talk, I'll have great information. But if you run a company that's bigger than mine, it's like, what does this guy know? He's never experienced having 10 employees under him. So, and I respect that they're right. So I need to do it to be able to talk about it. 
Talk to me then a similar situation when you're on stage, someone asks you a question and you're comfortable saying, I don't know. Uh, Why? Superpower. Like I become unstoppable. If I can say, I don't know to your question, then there's no question that I can't answer. Um, and it's such a superpower move in terms of credibility. People know you're not bullshitting when you say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so therefore everything else that you say has to be true or else you would have lied there. Right. So I just think it's super powerful. I think, I think being vulnerable, and Drake said this, I think being vulnerable is the ultimate strength. Think about Drake's music. The way he's vulnerable in his music allows him to connect deeper with people and therefore have a much more meaningful career, right? Like when he does his shows, people want to come see his shows because they fucking like live by his words. Mm -hmm. But they don't live by your words if all you talk about is chains and cars and money and shit like that because like, it's surface level. It doesn't actually connect emotionally like a brand, right? Mm -hmm. no, I love that. And before we before we end today's podcast, I ask everyone the same standard set of questions. Yeah. I used to call it the Q&A. I used to call it rapid fire, but these aren't really rapid fire type questions. Okay. Then I started calling it Q&A, but then I realized this is a podcast and the entire thing is a Q&A. <laughs> so that makes no sense. I've trimmed them a lot since that first podcast we did. They're yeah. just probably, probably somewhere between like 12 to 15 questions. Yeah. I think we have like five here. First one being, you're going to dinner, you can take three people. Anybody dead or alive, who do you yeah. take to dinner? So it'd be Drake and Gary Vee. Um, and the final one. Oh, I would take um, my grandfather on my dad's side because I never got to meet him. I love that. Yeah. What are some of the best advice? And, and, and my parents say I'm him. Really? Yeah. That'd be awesome. That'd be a good dinner. What are some of the best advice you've ever gotten? I have a couple quotes in my phone. Yeah. You can get your phone. Let's see. I'll give you I'll give you one of my favorite quotes. Okay. It's like it's a couple couple sentences. It's don't ever settle. Not with love, not with your job, not with your city, not with your home, not with your happiness. If something doesn't feel right, don't let it continue for too long. If it doesn't feel right, let it go and leave it behind. Even without logical reason, even without knowing what you'll do next, leave it behind because it just doesn't matter. It's not meant for you. Let it go because one day you'll thank yourself for never settling on your happiness. One day you'll realize that you were meant for so much more and that you only found it because you never settled. I think I live by that. Mm -hmm. I think so too. That's a good quote. Yeah. When your alarm goes off in the morning, what motivates you to get up and out of bed? <laughs> I'm a big snooze guy. <laughs> I, I won't lie. Um, but it's because I, I, I work late. And so I just feel my body like some days I wake up and I'm ready. Some days it's like, oh, I need 30 more. Right. But what motivates me once I'm kind of out of bed, I'd say like getting out of bed is, is not, it's just tiredness. Like it's not even like lack of motivation. Um, I think it's just like doing what I love for a living motivates me and knowing that it could all go away if I don't continue to go hard. That's, I guess, my motivation is like living a great life, but knowing I have to continue working to live a, a great life. What is one thing about you that people wouldn't expect? It's it's actually funny. Like, I've never thought about that. And it's hard for me to answer because I truly am my true self on the internet. And I think like people that see that know me. Um, you know, I'm one hell of a, a beer pong player. You know, it's <laughs> something that I don't uh, publicize. Mm -hmm. um, I can dance really really well um but i think like me as an actual human like you kind of you kind of get it 
for real, like online. Mm-hmm. What's one thing that's so important everyone needs to know? <laughs> Fuck your question. Um, something that's so important that everyone needs to know. And it's, it's going to be an echo of like what we've already talked about, but it's just happiness mm-hmm. over money. Like don't, don't have to find out for yourself is what I'll always say is like, it's the truth. I'm not even there where it's like, I have so much money that, but it's the truth. And I know it's the truth. And a lot of people have to find out and then get, they, they hit that moment. And they're like, oh fuck, mm-hmm. severely depressed, drugs, suicidal thoughts, like bad, 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 bad things. So please map towards happiness forever. For the final question, I like to flip the script a little bit. Okay. So instead of me asking the question, it's you asking the question, wow. but it's not to me. So pretend you have this crystal ball. You can ask this crystal ball any question and you'll get the 100% honest answer. Mm-hmm. What is one question you want to know the answer to? What am I doing wrong? I like that question. No one's ever asked that before. Sometimes you get you get the repeats. No one's ever asked that. Yeah. Why is that your question? Because I'm curious if I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> but I want to thank you not only for taking the time today to be on this podcast, but for your support and everything over these last 100 episodes, whether yeah. it be traveling to a whole other country with me for six days up and down New York, coming on. This is your fourth time on this podcast. Just calls, whatever it might be. I want yeah. to thank you for the support this entire time. Um, but I want to give you the floor. Where can the people find you? Plug anything and everything you got right now. Uh, yeah. So Instagram, LinkedIn, um, you can pretty much find me there, Hayden Cashin. Um, more importantly, I, I know we don't have drinks right now, but I want to do a toast to you as well. Like 100 episodes is no small feat. Um, I remember like we sat beside each other in OSEG and like you had a, a super big passion for podcasting. And it was always just like on your mind, like, oh, I should start when I should start when and you would slowly talk about it more and, and more and more. And like, I was just like, fuck, like, I guess like the only thing that I can really do to help is be your first guest. Right. Mm-hmm. So then that, that, that's out of the cards is like an excuse. And so, you know, when we did the first one, it, it was actually great. Like for a first podcast, right. We had a great chat. It sounded good in my opinion. I know you're not crazy about it, but <laughs> I, I still like listen back to that podcast and I love it. And I just want to say like over, over time, I've seen you just grow in so many ways, like becoming a better podcaster, you know, becoming more confident in yourself, becoming more exploratory and wanting to build a, a company and do your own thing and take those risks. You know, you've just grown so much as a person. And I just want to say I'm super proud of you. And I'm can't wait to see you do 100 more episodes. And I'm blessed that I've got to be so close to you along this journey. And I think we have lots and lots of more decades of mm-hmm. excitement and success. And I'm, I'm super proud of you. And I'm honored to call you my friend. I appreciate that. I'm honored to call you my friend as well. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to the next hundred, the next couple of decades. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be fun. But I mean, if we're ne- next week, I'll see you back here next week and we'll do this <laughs> again. Um, but no, seriously, thank you so much for everything. My pleasure. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Whether you've listened the entire way through, or you only listen to bits and pieces, even if this is the first episode of the hundred or the your 100th of the 100, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. 
Make sure you guys do me a big favor. Go and follow Hayden on Instagram. Follow, connect with him on LinkedIn. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. If you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. My DMs are always open. If you'd like to follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and at My Social Life Podcast or YouTube by searching out My Social Life. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.